Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, America's podcast, where we talk to interesting people. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining me. I usually say thanks so much for joining us. We do have a guest. Thanks for joining us. The Royal We. It is just me here recording, but I do very much appreciate you listening and being here with me. So now it's us. Now it is we. We have a fun thing up on our YouTube channel, and I mentioned it last week, but it's a video of Conan O'Brien at the Emmys this year, and it's called Conan Being a Delightful Jackass at the Emmys 2021. And a couple people seem to think that was a negative statement, but for one, I mean it as a term of endearment. And secondly, where is your reading comprehension? It says delightful jackass, and the description says Conan won the Emmys, and Conan is king. So, you know, just to set the record straight, it's not a negative comment by any stretch. I mean it endearingly because I love Conan, as you, the listener, knows. Check out the video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash there it is. Okay, on to today's episode. It is with one of my favorite improvisers, Chris Bachnight. She performs at the Magnet and the Armory. She's so great. I'm always in awe of her. We have a really great chat. Here it is, my chat with Chris Bachnight. Well, it's really great to see you because it's been forever since I've seen you, I feel like. It has, yes. You are down in the Carolinas right now, right? I am. So Newberry is between Columbia and Greenville. Mm-hmm. And that's where and you're from. Yes. So in March of 2020, I was supposed to go to Germany for vacation. And um, when our trip was canceled, obviously, we said, well, let's just take this time to go home mm-hmm. <laughs> and see family. And we like, you know, packed a, a backpack and we have not been back to the city yet. So, wow. Yeah. So did you relinquish your place too? I did after we had just moved into a new apartment in Manhattan. After five months in the Bronx, we finally moved. And then we were locked into a a 15-month lease that they wouldn't break. Oh, wow. So we paid rent for a year. Um, But that's over with. We actually just bought a house two weeks ago. Wow. So I'm a homeowner. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're not moving back. I am. I'm trying to become a real estate mogul. (laughs) It's going to be an Airbnb uh, property, but also that way when we do visit home, we'll have a place. Very cool. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, congratulations. Uh, on you. that uh, uh, that endeavor, that is kind of that is an ideal situation because you know we've got family down south too and friends and we want to 
see them, but I also want to live here. So um, I guess the ideal is to get a place there and Airbnb it. Right. Um, so I mentioned you're from Newberry. You are, you also went to Newberry College mm-hmm. and you studied performance there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you, you have a degree in uh, theater and speech, right? Yes. I also read that while you were in college, you were part of a public access short form improv TV show. Yeah. So okay. we. <laughs> and it was called Absolute Ad Libs. Yeah. Yes. Absolute Ad Lib. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yes. Absolute Ad Lib. It was fun. You know, we did sort of our own Whose Line Is It Anyway. It was mm-hmm. mostly short form and. There were a couple times where actually they would bring in like group tours to visit the college and they would come be like a live audience for us. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. really cool. Was that, was that when you first started doing improv? That was, yeah, that would have been the wow. beginning. So I was about 15, 16 when I did that. Um, so I did that a little bit before college and I started college early and then I didn't do any improv again after college until moving to New York. There was just this very like, you know, big gap in between. Wow. Okay. One thing that I notice about you and it's one of the reasons Justina and I, girlfriend of the show, uh, Justina and I love you is you're so funny. You also have such a great stage presence. So it's, no surprise that in college you were studying theater, but also that you were doing short form improv because I've noticed that people who are really strong at short form are also really funny in long form. And also people who have a theater background also have a really strong stage presence. And you have such a commanding stage presence. Wow. Does, is, does that come from that experience? Um. Well, you know, it's, so I am an introvert, which I think is surprising to people, but I've heard other people kind of, you know, mention that as well, that they're introverts. And so being on stage is sort of that opportunity Mm -hmm. to not be themselves and to kind of, you know, unleash something. Um, Yeah, I've heard that with Robin Williams and a couple other people who. uh... Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, but I mean, I started doing theater at seven. Um. And this, so my mom put me in theater because we had moved and she wanted me to, to meet some kids before school started. Um, and it's funny because the whole reason why I ever signed up for an improv class in New York city was because I didn't know anyone and I wanted to make friends. So it's sort of always been my justification to like force me to like be friendly and meet people. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Well, it worked. Uh, it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do in between college and then moving to New York? You said you didn't do any improv, but were you doing any kind of performance then? Well, I mean, not performing necessarily. I. <laughs> so in college, I had to do an internship. We had to do two of them, but one of them could not be at a theater. But as a theater major, they wanted it to be theater related. So I spent a summer teaching theater at a summer camp in New Hampshire. And um, I graduated college. At the time, I'd been working as a disc jockey at a local radio station. 
<laughs> so I did that for another year. Um, but then it was like time to break away. So I decided to try to do another summer camp, which then turned into doing like year round environmental education. Wow. So I would like still teach theater and I would be in charge of programming. And I actually got to teach theater in Ireland for nine months at one of Paul Newman's camps, which was really wow. incredible. Wow. How did you get involved with that? Just applying like I guess wow. just like searching like this camp was so neat Jason because what they did was it's an organization called the hole in the wall gang and mm -hmm. it's for children that have either lifelong or life-threatening illnesses mm -hmm. and so this camp in Ireland was an international camp so kids were coming from 40 plus countries and you would have your base staff so I lived there on on you know the camp campgrounds but then every time a group of children would come, they would bring an interpreter. So when I was teaching theater, I may have students, like kids that speak four different languages. So everything I said would then have to be translated four times mm. before we could like get up and do anything. Wow. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah, it was fun. But it was also... It's one of those things where it's a lot of work, it's transient, you know, you're, you are working all the time. So I did that for about five years and was tired and came back to South Carolina to wait tables and then met Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah. Then moved up here. Yeah. I told Brandon on our first date that I was moving to New York City before I turned 30 so that if he was interested in this going anywhere, he better be willing to move to New York. And he said, okay. And then we moved to New York a few weeks before my 30th birthday. Wow. You made it. We made, we made it. <laughs> you got it. Well, that's amazing. That's, that's such an interesting story. Was Paul Newman alive when you did that? I can't remember when he passed. He was alive because he did come to camp one day. What? Yeah. So uh, there was an actual castle on the campgrounds mm -hmm. and a lot. So um, there were a couple of times where notable actors that were in the Harry Potter series, like that's all I knew them for um, mm -hmm. from, they would like come walk their dogs because um, it was right outside of Dublin. But the rule was that sometimes Paul Newman would come to these camps, but like it was very hush hush. They wouldn't tell anyone but he would spend the night in the castle. Well, because this was a camp in Ireland and not in America, they weren't as strict about alcohol. So as counselors, we actually had a beer fridge and we were allowed to drink beer as long as we were, were off. Mm -hmm. So my friend and I were in there sitting at a table drinking a beer and Paul Newman walked in and he opened the fridge and then said to us like, is this your beer? And we were like, <laughs> And he's like, can I have one? And we're like, and like he grabbed a beer and then disappeared. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, insane. I want to make a cool hand Luke joke, but I won't. Um, <laughs> it's also it would be a stretch to make a cool hand Luke joke in that. But that's cool. That's a, that must have been wild to be at his camp and looking at it. And then you just see him walk by and grab a beer. Right. <laughs> it was very neat. Yeah. That's, that is neat. That is neat. So when you moved to New York, um, what year was that? Was that 2017? Um, so that would have been 
like 2015. And you studied it. Did you study at UCB first? I did. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you, you went through that curriculum mm -hmm. and uh, then eventually went to Magnet. And you're also at the Armory performing. Yes. Were you taking classes at Armory or did you join? So they didn't have any classes. Now they, they since they had started up Greenhouse and they offered classes. And I'm not sure what the status is of the Greenhouse currently, but it was just sort of that like indie scene. And I, I went to a show and I was kind of at the point where I was maybe getting some frust like fr frustrated at like the corporate idea of improv. And so then of course I found what felt like a secret world in the armory where like I went to a show and there was a group on stage that were actually like doing scenes maybe at the expense of UCB a little bit. They were, you know, making some fun. And I was like, this is really cool. It felt like um, badass, you know, it felt kind of like we're, we're rebels. And, uh, and so then I auditioned for the next round and got placed on the team that I had seen that night that I like oh, fell in love cool. with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, bad people. Our whole thing was we came out and we flicked off the audience and the audience booed at us. So Bad it was like- was the name of the team. It wasn't yeah. the attitude of the people on the team. Okay. <laughs> Both. <laughs> we were like the, like the heels in like a, like a, like a, like a wrestling, wrestling thing. Oh, very fun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I'm picking up on you you did short form in college you studied at UCB which is very game centered of course there's other aspects to improv that they focus on there of course but that's where you learn game and and magnet has a different approach you're getting exposed to all these different styles for you having gone through all of that what is your focus for improv when you step out on stage what are the sort of principles or integrity that you want to have oh gosh um, uh, it's, it's so evolving, right? Like I definitely, mm -hmm. it's not even that I think necessarily like I'm a better player now than I was a few years ago. I think that is, is typical. Like you, 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 you get better at anything you do, the more you do it, but it's almost like mm -hmm. my, I'm trying to push myself to like change maybe what I'm known for when I, when I started at Magnet with Mr. Bear, it was kind of this thing where I was like very almost, uh, people would say I would like tug at your heartstrings. Like I remember one of my first megawatt shows, like making someone in the audience be like, oh, like, <laughs> and they weren't laughing. I mean, they were engaging with me, but I would mm -hmm. like almost like, like start doing things that were more dramatic. Like I wouldn't like try to go for a joke necessarily, mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm trying now to like expand into doing sort of bigger, dumber stuff. <laughs> and I think virtual improv has helped that, you know, kind oh, of wow, yeah. into like playing of puppets or like, you know, plastic dinosaurs and just being dumb. Whatever's around, um, you just pick up and let it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, and what I love about Magnet, like, it's all about the relationship. Like, I'm not really focused so much on, you know, the the game as I am. Like, you know, I kind of like the idea of serial improv. Like, I think it's something fun about exploring the same storylines and relationships mm -hmm. over and over, which 
sometimes you can be discouraged from doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is the cast at Madden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Um, that is a great team. Yeah, so I think that Good is job. like what, like what, like what we do in the cast is what I get most excited about. Sort of forming what feels like a full piece from beginning to end, and mm. yeah. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's definitely one of the must-see shows at Magnet, um, not only because it's an interesting idea, but also really great team performing it. The players are fantastic. All of you are great. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I love playing of all women. There's just something about it. Mm-hmm. It's really, um, it, it creates a different vibe. Uh, I really love, we do dance party warm-ups, which is very fun. <laughs> nice. so yeah um yeah I don't know I don't know what it is like I'm I I my favorite thing in improv is is just like group mind you know like I feel like I do improv because I feel like I'm chasing the dragon you know like I'm just looking for those moments where I can't believe that we're so in sync whether it's two of us or three of us or four of us my favorite form is is Cat's Cradle. And that sort mm-hmm. of requires that like group mind and sort of, you know, more of like the spatial play. Yeah, I, when I first saw you, I believe it was a team performance workshop, which for those who don't know, that is the last level of the conservatory and the main curriculum for improv at Magnet. And you really, like I said earlier, you command the stage and you were so funny, but you're also so grounded. And mm. uh, it, I can see you having dramatic chops, but you know, you're, you're, you're using that gravitas for humor, which I always get a really big kick out of when I see performers like that. I mean, it's like, you know, TJ and Dave come to mind when you think yeah. of people who have stage gravitas could do drama, but this is comedy. <laughs> so I, I always adore watching you for that reason. I didn't see, I guess, your early stage where everyone was going, ah, you know, but I saw you when it was like, wow, this is just, I didn't anticipate where this was going. It was such a fun direction to take the scene. Oh, that's rad. (laughs) So I, that's the, that's the Chris I know. I would love to see you in a play. Do you do any plays now? So I had not done a play for like 10 years. Wow. And my, my partner, Brandon, did Godspell at the community theater. And um, when that ended, they were casting for Clue. Oh, you'd be great in Clue. And we've never done a show together. So I was like, Brandon, you know, what if we, so we are actually both in Clue right now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it's community theater. It's really fun. It's it's you know low stakes. Um, <laughs> I'm playing Miss Scarlet because you know I'm gonna age out of it pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> the director was like, "What about Miss Peacock?" And I was like, "I've got time. Okay, like <laughs> let me play the bombshell while I while I can." <laughs> um, so uh, and that humor. I mean that you know, yeah. 80s, 90s, <laughs> you know, I love a caper. Right. Um, 
there's a team I saw in Chicago and all they do are, is murder mystery improv. And oh, wow. What's their name? I don't remember. I, I, I'm, I think I saw them at Second City and I thought, I mean, it's just so like anytime you, you do something like that where you know you have to have a finish line and a through mm-hmm. line, we know as performers, it's so hard. Like I've been on a team that's done a movie form and I admire it, but it's so hard. But I was, yeah. oh, it would be so fun to be on a murder mystery team, you know? Yeah, that would be especially since I like whodunit stuff. But I also like true crime, but that wouldn't mix well with improv, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, sad, I guess anything really. like parody-wise you could. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess if, because uh, there are funny things about some of the true crime shows and it's always because of the voiceover. Oh, sure. It's almost always because of the voiceover, but every once in a while, there's something insane that happens where you're just like, wait a second, what? Like I watched one and there's like a girl went missing and she's the subject of the episode. And then they're like, this man was walking around his barn because he was going to burn it down. It's like, well, that's a strange thing. (laughs) He's going to burn his. I didn't know people burn down their barns when they don't want them anymore. Uh, and he was walking around and he found remains and then it ended up not being the subject of the episode. I was like, oh, wow, uh, weird. And then somebody else is like running down the road and they find some remains. And it's also it's in the same town uh, as the barn that was getting burned down. And these other remains, they also weren't the person that the episode is about. And I was like, why are there so many <laughs> remains in this town? Like, this is very sad, but also, (laughs) what is going on in this town? Right? (laughs) No wonder the barn is being burnt down. (laughs) Yeah, like, what is he hiding? (laughs) Uh, uh, Steve Martin's new sitcom on Hulu is sort of make fun. Like, the Tina Fey is playing, um, like, the, what is there, Sarah Koenig, I think, like, playing that sort of character. interesting. Yes. Oh, I've seen the commercials and i want to see that because i love steve martin and martin short and uh and and really down to see that and it's uh, i love anything that new york is like a character yeah you know like people will ask me like why were you so obsessed with new york why did you have to move there and and yeah it was performance but i also like didn't is that not how we grew up? Like watching Friends, watching SNL, watching SBU. Sex in the city, yeah. Like everything told everything me. Everything is. <laughs> and it's not Newberry, South Carolina. It's New right. York. Right, so. right. Yeah, we both are from the Carolinas and both felt a strong pull to live in New York. And I wonder if subconsciously it is because just about everything that we grew up on was except for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and right. Back to the Future, it was in New York. That was so what was everything. it for you when you like, when you made the, the leap, the jump? I, when I decided I wanted to move here, I was 30, um, which was like seven years before I moved here. But um, I, I knew I wanted to stay in South Carolina a little bit longer, um, but I felt 
like when I move, it had to be New York. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something bigger than me was saying like, it's New York. And um, then when Justina said she wanted to move here and wanted me to come with, I said, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. She Perfect. was previous to that was saying Chicago. And I was like, oh, I really want to move to New York. And some of the reason um, that I wanted to move to New York over Chicago was uh, there, I feel I felt like there were more acting opportunities here. So there is that aspect to it, but also just feel, felt more of a pull yeah. to New York. Yeah, no, totally. And I'll, so, and I'll go to other cities and I'll like play this game of like, what would it feel like to live here? But it's never, it's never that same feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Since I've been home, um, obviously like family and friends are trying to get us right. <laughs> to stay and not go back. And um, I, I'm just trying to explain to them that I can't do that, that I may not live in New York forever, but when I leave, it's got to be on my own terms. Right. I'm not going to let a, a pandemic and then just like everything that happened and just fall back into place. I have to make a conscious decision that like mm-hmm. these adventures are done and I'm ready for a different adventure. Yeah. So. I, I think that is the right way to go about it. If you're ever going to leave, it shouldn't be because of what everyone else is saying or, or uh, something that is outside of what you need. Right. Um, it really does have to be more like, you know, why are you here and, and what are you trying to get out of it? So yeah, I, I'm right there with you on that. Um, I don't know. I would love to be able to just have a place here and have a place there and then just visit more often. I'm going to call it my vacation home <laughs> and make it sound like, oh, my vacation home in rural South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've never been to Newberry. But I do remember, I feel like Newberry College, I got right before I went to college, I was getting pamphlets to like, hey, come to Newberry. There were 700 students when I was there. Wow. The entire campus. Yeah. My high school, I think, had like four to 500. Mm -hmm. um, And then I went to a school of 700. uh, And I started college the end of my sophomore year of high school. And people were like, oh, you're so smart. I'm like, no, my high school didn't have a theater program. (laughs) And I was like miserable. And so I like fast tracked so I could get to a theater program in college. Oh, okay. Yeah. How did you fast track? Did you just do summer school? Summer school. I took classes like at the college, um, which actually, you know, I don't know if it still works this way now, but then when I did it, you would get dual, like, So for example, if I took a Spanish class at Newberry College, I would get my foreign language requirement for high school, but I would also get my foreign language requirement for college. Nice. So, and of course, you know, the downfalls, I can't speak Spanish, but I I did one year as opposed to like three years and knock Mm -hmm. them both out. So loopholes, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You were so smart that you were thinking of it that way. <laughs> Maybe not the textbook kind of smart that they're talking about, but the street smarts that people actually need. 
There you go. <laughs> and I'm sure you have a little, little, too. little dash of manipulation in there, perhaps. <laughs> so you mentioned that you have uh, been a camp counselor. You also have coached teams. Uh, was teaching a part of, uh, have you taught anywhere? Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I've taught children and before, um, before I left, I was actually teaching improv to kids. Um, it was this really cool program where like the kids were all, um, doing improv because they had been recommended by like medical professionals. And it was really about sort of like social skills and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Um, I've taught like intro to college life because I work in higher education now, mm-hmm. which is, that was awful because no one wants to take intro to college life. You know, I'm trying to like get philosophical about a Pat Conroy novel and, you know, they're all <laughs> sleeping. So, and I get it. <laughs> they were hungover. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes I would be too. So, you know, it was, you know, go. So, I mean, I do wonder sometimes, like, uh, if I should have taken the path of teaching, like I do one of my, um, I don't know if it's like my, a dream job, because it does feel within reach. And to me, it doesn't feel right to say it's a dream job if it's something that's within reach, but like a college professor that gets to teach theater classes, but then also direct shows and, you know, they plan their own season. Like that's very um oh, nice. like attractive to me so and you'd be great at it it may be a path i take someday um there are some like graduate theater programs it's just like you know what schools will will take an ma over an mfa because an mfa is just really competitive and it's a whole different mm-hmm. commitment mm-hmm. um and when i came out of college i basically just decided that i didn't think i was tough enough to live like like without security like paycheck to paycheck or maybe I was too sensitive to like go to auditions and be told I wasn't the right type and um so I kind of just like gave gave up buckled I don't know but improv I think fills the need just as much as like performing in a play or theater or anything yeah I definitely see what you're talking about I think it is within reach though but it can still be a dream if it's within reach yeah <laughs> yeah I asked Brandon one time what his dream job was and he said a farmer and I was like you you can be you can be a farmer like, like <laughs> that is not dependent on like someone hiring you Brandon like you could be a farmer That's yeah such a cute answer <laughs> It is. (laughs) Well, I want to talk some more about your improv approach. Um, When you're going into a scene, do you have a particular conscious mindset that you are trying to, or or like, I don't know if you're super step-by-step about it, but uh, do you have like something in mind of like, okay, you know, listen, react, like, do you have uh, a particular approach that you take? Hmm. You know, so I, well, 
first of all, I'm a terrible audience member. I will say that like when Why people, <laughs> because I, I'm not a big like laugher. Like I will laugh in conversation with people. Mm-hmm. I will laugh when people I know are being funny, but I, I don't laugh a lot at like media or live performances. Mm. I'm sort of just like a smiler and nodder. <laughs> um, so I, I, and I tend to like my sense of humor. Sometimes the tough thing for me as a teammate is I'll focus on something that's so small that I think is really funny. And I'll make these like very, I'll step out and make a choice that is like not even fair to my scene partner, because even though it was something that was said, it, it may be like so minuscule in the context of what the scene is about but it, like to me I was like this is what I'm grabbing but see, on that's to. what I love <laughs> and that's what <laughs> I do you know sometimes even just like the phrasing of of words will stand out to me and I'll like step out and you know and I can like see like sometimes my scene partners be like I don't know what trip you're taking me on <laughs> but you know <laughs> let's, let's go um yeah, I mean, I've been trying to play more with like, like character um, and not be and be more action oriented because I definitely like am a I'm a wordsy player. You know, for me, it's all about what's being so said. Good with the words, though, you're so good with them. <laughs> Thank you. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I definitely like for me, it's. Um, I, I tend to, to thrive in initiations rather than, than joining. And I think it's because I'm, I'm still working on like not being, like just being so sensitive to like, you know, I don't want to ever mess anyone up. And we know that's not going to happen. We're just going to, you know, find it together. So it's easier in my mind for me to start it and then have someone join me and then, you know, go together. I'll be honest, I've seen you a bunch and I've never seen you join a scene in a way that you know where where it like threw anyone off or wasn't right. funny so you know <laughs> you're a good joiner you're a good scene joiner thank you um, yeah, you're welcome <laughs> one of the nice things right now with mr bear is we have been playing together long enough that there's just a real comfort in like you know pimping each other out like that's a lot of fun like I love <laughs> getting to the point where you're with a team and you can start to to play that way yeah you know <laughs> what sort of thing they're good at so you know how to make them yeah. do it again <laughs> exactly over and over um I don't know I mean when I when I am working with kids for for improv you know for me it is just about you know, the focusing on the relationship. And I think that's probably why I'm so drawn to, to magnet versus the idea of game. Um, mm-hmm. Or even like, you know, a, a super uh, strict, you know, form, you know, being able to have a little more room to, mm-hmm. to play. Yeah, so. I haven't uh, done anything at Armory, but I remember you telling me that it is, it does have like a looser, uh, sort of approach where it mm-hmm. is, you know, it's kind of like you don't have to take classes to get on a team. You can just audition and you can get placed on a team, um, which is cool. And I'm glad that they have that because I think I think any good 
improv comedy scene needs things that are way different from other things in town. Can we talk about Cat's Cradle? Like, because that's yeah. where I get super nerdy. So, <laughs> um, I don't know how familiar you are with, with the form um, or, or your listeners. Um, but the thing I love about Cat's Cradle is you're never off stage. So, all eight members are on stage all the time, but you may not be actively in a scene. So, I may be playing a door frame. <laughs> or uh, a piece of like a piece of furniture or something um and it's all about pivoting so you start with like a series of monologues so we know like what worlds we're going to explore and then we start a scene and and then automatically you know i someone will pivot from one scene to another and they may have gone from being like a coat hanger to then like bringing to life the next scene. And it's, I, I always kind of think of it as like riding a bull in the sense of like, if you're riding a bull, like there's no room for distraction or no room to like zone out. You have to be hyper-focused. And we know that if we go to the sidelines or the back line, it's still our job to stay engaged, but that's where we, we may like, you know, find our mind wandering or or we are thinking about you know a move or what we want to do or someone in the audience opened a beer and it was like whatever there it can be distracting but when you're on stage for the full 30 minute set it's like every muscle in your body is sort of tense and it's such an incredible way to play because it's one of those forms that doesn't allow me to think ahead, you know, to really kind of get lost in the play. And it's also a form where, you know, sometimes it will become very organic, you know? So when I was on Bad People, you know, maybe someone would necessarily have an idea to pivot back into a, a world we had explored or whatnot, so it would become more of a sound and movement that would then like organically bring us into position to revisit a world. Almost like we're buying time as a team, but we're also creating and doing something while we do that. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but there's something about the idea of, um, I guess it's like a sport, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no, there's no timeouts. <laughs> You're just, you right. know, playing at a hundred percent energy. Yeah. Um, so I find that form really attractive as opposed to say, you know, I mean, there's a beauty in a Herald, but also the, you know, part of the fear in a Herald is you're back there, like twiddling your thumbs, trying not to think about what to do, but also right. thinking about <laughs> what to do. Uh-huh. And I just like, get that out of here, you know, like, yeah. just be, just be yeah. in it. And uh, yeah, no, that's I. That's the thing I love about acting in a play versus acting in something where you have a couple of lines and it's quick takes. Because I never really felt like, and, and maybe it's just because of productions I was involved in, but I never felt as engaged when it was just like, say this line. And uh, that's it, you know, like just uh, just say it and now say it like this, <laughs> it's mm. like, all right, action cut, you know, you don't 
you don't have the context of what just happened and what's about to happen next. That's why when I see a good film performance, I'm always really into it because somehow they they were able to bring that feel of really being in it, even though they're on a green screen and they're just saying their lines. <laughs> you know, like, right. It's all very chopped up, but they still were able to bring it to life like it was really happening. Yeah. Just in general, the idea for me, like with film and television, you know, like we've sort of seen, I mean, I, I have grown to enjoy virtual improv. I'll be honest, for the first few months, I did not. I hated it. Right. I was <laughs> fine with it at first. And then I started to be sort of the opposite. <laughs> like I like I've started to appreciate it a little bit. But, you know, I mean, it was like I was hardcore against it at first. But you're you're playing into a void, right? Like you don't yeah. have any feedback. And so with live theater, there's always that energy of the audience. Um, yeah, especially when you're you're doing comedy and you don't know if it's landing or not, or you know. Yeah. And what was nice about it for us, for Sweetheart, was that we saw each other and we felt like we were, you know, goofing around with each other. But it beyond that, it was like, I don't know if this is connecting with anybody. I don't know what this is doing for anybody. Uh, whereas when you're on stage doing the same thing, then you you have that audience there laughing or, or you know, you can look them in the eye. <laughs> you can you can feel their presence at yeah. least. Uh, and that is. I like it better, <laughs> but there certainly are things about Zoom Prov that I appreciated because you did have to listen more intently. Mm -hmm. You did have to pay a little more attention. I just couldn't get out of that what I wanted, um, but maybe it helped me listen better when I got back on stage. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, whatever that takeaway is, there's a real benefit. Like my takeaway is that it's allowed me to be a little bit sillier than maybe I would be normally. You know, I, I can be a bit of a curmudgeon. I can be like, no, these are the rules. Like this is what we can and can't do. And then when it became virtual and we, you know, puppets were being thrown out and cats were being shown on screen, I kind of had to throw that out the window and be like, yeah, let's just have fun with it. You know? Yeah. Why can't your cat all of a sudden be a character and be talking and let's, you know, let's yeah. roll with it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think that was certainly something that uh, you could see in like Seth Meyers doing late night mm. at home. He's just like letting it fly. And just it was just there was something freeing and refreshing about seeing these late night hosts just go, you know what? Forget all of that restrictive stuff. I'm just going to be a little loose and have fun. And there was something I liked about that better, honestly, than, uh, than, than the vibe that you got before of it all being really strict and on time and within mm -hmm. these confines. Yeah. It makes, uh, it, it makes the, um, to a degree, it, it makes the comedy feel, it's almost like this idea of the armory, what I was attracted to, and it feels a little more rebellious and it feels yeah. a little more, you know, renegade. So. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh, that's nice. Well, what is what is next? Uh, you have Clue that you're doing now, mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to onstage improv, 
what are what is the hope so my plan is to be back in the city in january um i was going to come back earlier but i was going to come back as early as october but it didn't feel like the theaters were completely ready for us to all be back full time so i didn't feel the need to rush um i'm being called into work one day a week uh so this is it's not crazy you'll believe it everyone will believe it that lives in new york it's cheaper for me to fly to new york to be in office one day a week than to move back wow so I will be flying in for one day a week for, you know, between now and the end of the year. Um, and then we'll, we'll be back full time in January. And then I don't know. I will say one thing. I love improv so much. I also have an addictive personality. I mean, it was between rehearsals or coaching or your performances. It was six nights a week, right? Yeah. yeah. And then to have nothing was really terrifying at first Mm -hmm. and then it felt really great (laughs) and then it (laughs) and then it went from great to being awful and now it's like I have found this really happy place Mm. where I'm so excited to get back to it but I also don't think I want to do it six nights a week Mm. because it was it's kind of nice to have a little more free time. So really like prioritizing, like what is super important to me? Do I have to say yes to everything? Yeah. I am doing an improv show in California in November, which I'm pretty excited about. Where at? So I am a part of this organization called Techno Dramatist and they do augmented reality improv. (laughs) So... Basically, the way it works is, all right, so you're sitting in the theater, okay, and you're looking at the stage, okay, and you're going to see, like, two uh, TV screens, or it could be two, like, projector screens, depending on the size of the space, and me, and let's say my, my friend Tony, who's a teammate of mine, we will either, like, be behind the TV screens or off to the side of the stage, so you're not watching us, you're watching what's on the screen, And Tony and I have these harnesses with a cell phone and the cell phone is reading everything we do of our face. So on the screen, you may be watching a pig and a vampire do a scene together, but they're being brought to life by me and Tony. I have to see this (laughs) and I have to do this one day. This sounds amazing. It is so cool. Um, it's it's really fun to work with the team that does all the technical stuff because I don't understand any of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how they make the magic happen, but, you know, I'm used to showing up at an improv show and we need four chairs. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in all of these, like, you know, big computer systems and cords and, and you know, making the technology happen. And um, it's kind of cool in that it's, it's sort of a hybrid between short form and long form mm-hmm. in that we'll do long form scenes, but we'll do them sort of within the context of a short form game. Wow. Um, that sounds amazing. And so <laughs> what is, is this at a festival or is it just at a theater? So we were doing shows in New York. Um, we had done a couple runs at some theaters and, and um, bars and then 
there is a organization for augmented reality, which is of course way more of an entertainment. Um, the way my director was telling me, he's like, you know, they use it in war, right? And I was like, no, I don't know. He's like, the military uses it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but they have a big uh, conference. And so they do a big award show and we are the entertainment for this award show. So we'll go do, I've never, um, I've never been flown anywhere to do improv, wow. like, yeah. like, you know, paid to play in somewhere else. So that is really thrilling. That is awesome sounding. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fun. I hope that's uh, a, a great trip for you. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and, I, and it's also what I, what I love about it is I love that it's going to be, it's not going to be entertainers. It's not going to be people studying improv. It's just going to be, you know, all of these techies in this augmented reality world. And then we're going to get out there and do this improv show for them with big characters on the screen. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, Jason, it's so fun because like the jokes almost write themselves to an extent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're playing a baby, and you're doing like the baby as like a Joe Pesci, you know, I mean, <laughs> people go crazy. Yeah. Um, and so as a performer, like, it's just, it's so like easy to get that high and that, you know, to play off. Um, I could never walk out on stage and, and play a, a mob baby and get the same response as you are by seeing it. Right. You know? Right. Oh gosh. That's, I hope that's the future. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that could regularly happen because I've got to do that. I've got to do that someday. Um, well, that's amazing. We are at the end of the episode, so it's now time to create something together. All right. One idea was, uh, I thought maybe talk about process a little bit, like if someone's coming out on stage, but um, also we talked, I was really interested in uh, all of the discussion about form and structure uh, mm -hmm. that, that you brought. I was wondering if we could create a form. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's, that's all right. Let's, uh, let's figure out how we could create a form. Uh, what are some of the things that you really interest you? I think one thing that interests both of us is being able to be in it the whole time and not get in our heads about, you know, on the sidelines, right? Uh, like Cat's Cradle, you're on stage the whole time. So what's another way to incorporate that maybe into a form? Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, so I'm trying to think of something that's other than like inanimate objects, which is what I've seen. Huh. Um, I don't know. For some reason, the first thing that popped into my mind was like background dancers, like mm -hmm. creating like the soundtrack uh -huh. to like any scene. Um, so I guess versus a concept of musical improv where it's like you stop and break into a song. It's mm -hmm. just like, no matter what's happening in the scene, you have people like creating a rhythm um, in the back, my dad, the, the best thing my dad has ever said to me was that his dream job, dream job, uh, was to be a, a pip. 
he was like, you know, if I could just have been behind Gladys Knight, you know, and all, and all I had to do was this. Um, so maybe creating like some type of like dance or music component to what's happening, even though you're not actively in the scene. I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. That is a good idea. I was also thinking when you first mentioned it, I was thinking for whatever reason, I was like, oh, what if someone's just in an office and then there are people populating who else would be in an office uh, just kind of working in the back. And then they come up when they're listening, uh, but they are, you know, the characters are just working. So so or doing whatever they need to do. Um, and then okay. can walk up and then join, basically join the scene or, or take the scene in a different direction the way it happens in real life. So maybe okay. it could be places like that. So you are, it, it's, you could do sort of like a standard, you know, you're asking for a suggestion, but it's a location, but it's almost like you're taking like a camera lens and that camera lens can't move. So uh -huh, if you, uh -huh. if it's an office and you have eight people, then all eight people have to take roles into that office. And what if it, you know, because you can't leave, like you said, like someone's like typing or at the copier, but it's all just breakaways in between. Mm -hmm. And it could even be that it's, it's fluid. So you may see a scene between two people and then two other people start a scene. It may come mm -hmm. back to the original two, but if yeah. you created that, that's kind of cool. The idea that for the whole, like, you know, 25 minutes, yeah. You have to imagine that you're actually actively in that environment and you can't go anywhere else. So it's not like a right. form where you're traveling, you know, we're not going to different stores in the mall. No, like we're right. in clears and we're only right. going to be in clears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what else? Um, I, there was a form that I did once and I'm forgetting the name of it. And I did it at Alchemy, which you've performed at. Um, but uh, it was something like that where you're kind of like, you, you kind of fade in the background. You don't really, you just sort of stay kind of frozen, but kind of not frozen. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't want it to be you're frozen in the background. I'd want it to be like, you're still living your life in the background. You're still being the character in the background. You just also have to keep your ears open to know what's going on and what's being focused on. But that it was just the way we slid from what was being focused on to an, something, you know, something yeah. else. Like a and foreground a background, you know. Oh, yeah. Foreground background. You have to be really good at, at not only painting a stage picture, but it's also like placing things in the room, in the space, because, you know, it would have to be clear to everyone. You could take this idea and you could sort of make it a hybrid with the doc form. Mm -hmm. What if there was a form that was like the big brother form? And so the idea in this big brother form is that, yes, mm -hmm. you see all eight people at all times, but then at any point, it can also cut to a confessional Ooh, to help spur continued <laughs> scene work in the set. <laughs> Okay, I like that. Because um, then you can also like book in stuff or like separate beats by doing a, a couple of those. And you could also have challenges. 
Mm-hmm. So, so if you did, so I, I just watched Big Brother for the first time, like a couple of days ago. So I'm obviously, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, I, I blame it on Tim Canty because he talked about it enough, mm-hmm. right? But I had to see it. But it, if you did that, I think what could be fun is that also meant that you would have to improvise mm-hmm. challenges on stage. Right. <laughs> which sounds chat like difficult and dumb and and fun yeah <laughs> it's a good way to get people to be physical that's for sure mm-hmm. okay i like it and it could still just be three beats okay well what would we call it um, real life is too obvious not that not real life so now i i'm getting out of control but here's another idea <laughs> so my my uh one of my favorite plays of all time is called noises off okay so actually you know what i guess no never mind technically it's sort of what the cast already does it's exactly what the cast does right i was gonna say noises off but you do you know the play and then you go backstage um the difference being is that when you're backstage, what we do when we're backstage in the cast, obviously, is we act like we're in a green room, you know, mm-hmm. like we're all talking. Mm-hmm. But what if it was the same concept, but it was backstage during the production, like backstage. So you, your set was divided up into verbal and nonverbal. So it was uh-huh. like an all physical comedy. <gasps> that would be so hard. <laughs> yes. Anyways, I'll stop. I'm going to, I'll start spitballing. And so you're thinking backstage could be the name of it? Or something like that. Yeah. I don't like the idea of like the same. I kind of liked foreground, background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. These are all fun ideas. It's a fun game. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a fun name. Let's see. Background, foreground. Uh, I don't want to be like back four. <laughs> oh, um, Groundwork. Groundwork. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) There it is. Chris, I miss you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I miss you too. Thank you for having me. Really great having her. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. And I hope you get to see her perform sometime. Now, the show that she mentioned that she did in Newberry already went up, so you don't get a chance to see that. But when she gets back to New York, definitely go to the Magnet Theater or the Armory and watch her perform. We're going to have links in the bio for both theaters, but for Magnet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's at Magnet Theater. And for the Armory, it's at the Armory Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. So definitely check those out. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And as I mentioned on YouTube, at There It Is. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 